So if you are walking in, and this is your first Sunday, um, again, welcome. We're walking through, um, each summer, we preach through some of the Psalms. We usually do that with a theme, and this year's theme is um, Psalms of Presence. So we're, we're walking through six, maybe seven different Psalms uh, this summer, and uh, this is week two in regards to that. So as you just heard, Christian read, we're in Psalm 100, and title this morning is Come and Worship. Psalm 100 comes to us in a series of psalms, if you will, um, that are all calling us to worship. It really begins around Psalm 95, where there just becomes this clear corporate call to worship. I kind of think of them as, you know, sitting out by the beach and waves from the ocean just kind of rushing up on your ankles. Uh, This is just wave after wave after wave, call to worship, call to worship, call to worship. All right, begins Psalm 95. I'm just going to read a couple couple verses in each of these. Psalm 95. Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. Psalm 96. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord, all the earth. Sing to the Lord. Bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. Psalm 97, the Lord reigns. Let the earth rejoice. Let the many coastlands be glad. Psalm 98, oh, sing to the Lord a new song. For he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. The Lord has made known his salvation. He has revealed his righteousness in the sight of the nations. Psalm 99. The Lord reigns. Let the peoples tremble. He sits enthroned upon the cherubim. Let the earth quake. And then Psalm 99 ends. Exalt the Lord our God. Worship at his holy mountain. For the Lord our God is holy. Then we come to Psalm 100. Make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. Let's pray and we're going to dive in. Lord God, we want to join with the psalmist. Lord, we want to join with the crowds, the throngs of people throughout history who have come into your presence with gladness and singing and rejoicing, Lord because of who you are, because of all that you've accomplished. Lord, we're just just a small dot on that screen of the throngs of people throughout history who have come to this psalm and said, yes, yes, my soul, let's worship our God together. And Lord, there will be throngs one day in eternity around your throne worshiping you. Lord, we're just... We're just joining with the crowds, the crowds of the redeemed, Lord, this morning. So help us, we pray, as we preach through this psalm, so familiar to us. Lord, don't let that be uh, a means of distraction to us, but help us to concentrate and consider the truths that we find here in this psalm. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, let's get to it. Point number one, who, who are we called to worship? Who are we called to worship? Did you know 16 times in these few, well, five verses that Christian read, 16 times it refers to the Lord? It's a lot. It's a lot in five verses. Um, It makes sense because worship isn't vague. Worship isn't 
distant or um, cloudy. We, we worship clearly God. We worship the Godhead. We, we worship the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. We worship the Creator who since the beginning has been faithful, what, towards sinful man like you and I. We worship this God who has not only created us but has redeemed us. We worship God who has remained steadfast in his love over your life. Every day of your life, every moment of your life, he's been steadfast. We worship this God. Sixteen times the psalmist makes reference to him. He has been nothing but mercy towards you and I. He has been nothing but steadfast in his love towards you and I. And the psalmist, here it's David, he knows it. He knows that to be true. This is David the giant slayer who was slayed by his own giant of lust. This is, this, is, this is the king victorious. This is the king who knows defeat. He knows his God. 16 times we are pointed by him to God. And let us be clear from the outset who it is we're called to worship. We worship God the Father who initiated our salvation. We worship God the Son who died for our sins to redeem us from our sins. We worship the Holy Spirit who moved upon our hearts, brought us from darkness to light this morning. We worship God. That's who we worship. Let's read the text again and give emphasis to these words that reference the Lord. Make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us, and we are his, and we are his people, and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name, for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. Praise be to our God. We should read this and say, I know what this text is, but I know what this psalm is about. It's about God. Sometimes I leave the house um, without my glasses. All right, a lot of us have glasses on this morning. I can get by. I'm not in danger um, my eyes aren't that bad, but they're not that good either. And so, you know, when I notice it is, you know, the street signs can be fuzzy. Um, I can see them, but it's just, yeah, it's not, it's not what it should be. Things are blurry. And I think that's sometimes how we often come to church. It's not that you can't see God in worship. It's just that there's an out of focus, and your, your, your focus is on so many other things, our focus. Um, we can be focused on our morning. Uh, we can be focused on what was, what was this morning trying to get here, you know, especially those of you with still, you've got children at home. It can just be a train wreck to get here. Um, you know, you, you as a mom, you lost it. You, you lost it um, at the kids or at your husband who's totally aloof to the kids, right? Like you're trying to get the family, just get in the car, 
with all your clothes and shoes on so we can get to the church. And, and you lost it. Get in the car, you know, because we're going to worship. And you know what worship is. You, you know what it is, but there can be a sense by the time you get to the building of just out of focus. And that's not just those with young children. We know that to be true. You, you, it's not that you don't love the Lord. You love the Lord. You're just out of focus. And some sort of way, we are, we're in this series in Psalms to help us put our glasses on and to focus. Seven, 16 times the psalmist refers to God in five verses. We worship God. We get to the building and things are blurry and the band starts to play and we can't quite see straight and we forget why it is, why are we here? And who are we here for? And who are we called to worship? And when we are blurry about this one thing, who we are called to worship if things are out of focus regards to that, we get everything else wrong. You get that wrong, you get everything else wrong. The service is not about us. This service is about him. It's about your creator and your redeemer. And we say it often, we like to say, as you're walking in those doors in the lobby, as you walk past that threshold, that you would even say to yourself, I'm here for you, God. I'm not here for me. I'm not even primarily, I'm not even primarily here for others. I'm glad that we could join together. There is an others and there is a me aspect. But primarily, first and foremost, I'm here for God. And I'm here to worship my God. Because we forget our glasses. He is why we're here. He is why we're singing. He is why we're teaching. He is why we're thankful. He is why we're rejoicing. He is why we're preaching. He is why we're serving. He is why we do all that we do. He is why. Who are we called to worship? When you come to Trinity to worship, worship God. Number two, who is called to worship? Who does the calling? Well, God does the calling. Who is he calling? And there's two aspects to this. Verse three, know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Some psalms are individualistic where, you know, um, my soul or uh, the Lord is my shepherd, my salvation, my rock, things like we heard last week. This psalm is corporate. It's a we psalm. It's us. Who is he calling? And I think this is worth us noting um, that, that he's calling us. He's calling the corporate people of God to come together in singing. I, 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 know, I know churches and I know church life can be so difficult, right? We know that to be true. But we must see that the call to worship through Scripture is a corporate call. So even in the difficulty, 
that all of us have faced and have experienced in doing church life together. Listen, you, you could be new to Trinity. One of, the, one of the most challenging comments that I get from new folks is, wow, I love the church. I'm like, well, stick around. <laughs> I can't just hang around long enough, right? Because the church is an imperfect, sinful people. There will be opportunities for you to sin and to be sinned against. And what's beautiful about this is just that call to worship. It's, it's us. It's us together. We're coming together to make a joyful noise to the Lord together. It might be even easier, we might think, to do that joyful noise alone. But that's not what we're called to. And so I'm grateful for those of you who are watching on the live stream. There's, there's a right way to use a live stream and a wrong way to use the live stream. And so if you're watching by the live stream, welcome. Thank you for watching on the live stream, and we invite you to come to the building. And if you're watching from another state, and uh, we just want to encourage you, this is not your local church. We would encourage you to find a local church where you can worship the Lord together. And so the right way to use the live stream is I'm unable, I'm physically unable, I'm sovereignly kept from getting out of my house and coming to the worship gathering. God bless you. Use the live stream and worship the Lord. But to just be in my pajamas and eating my cornflakes while I sit on my couch, may I challenge and encourage you, come together. Because psalms like this, well, there just no way you can get away from. It's corporate. It's a corporate psalm. And so much more could be said there, but let's keep moving. Who, who, who is being called? It's us. But also, who is, who's called to, to worship? Well, the ends of the earth are called to worship. The ends of the earth. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth, which is amazing, which is the Old Testament way to say God's redemption plan came through the Israelites but it wasn't to end with the Israelites. It's to go out. It's to go so far out, so far and wide. It is to include the Gentile. And it's actually right for us to say, when you read these words, make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth, for your heart to recognize, oh, that's us. We are the ends of the earth. You realize that. You recognize that. Praise be to God. I'm in the room this morning making a joyful noise to my God. Because I am the end of the earth. I am that Gentile. And this ought to stun us, blind us, if we continue with the visual aspect, blind us in his glory. We're reminded in point one not to, re, to arrive to the building out of focus. Well, in point two, we are rightly focused on him and we're blinded by the awesome glory and the wonders of that truth that you and I are the ends of the earth. And here we are, in some sense, a fulfillment of Psalm 100. That you are here worshiping God today is nothing short than stunning glory, awesome glory. You being here is a display of the ends of the earth. So when you read that, make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth, realize I'm not Israel. I'm the end of the earth. I'm, I'm thousands of years removed and thousands of miles removed from Paul's missionary journeys. How did the gospel come 
to my life, to your life. Well, praise be to God. The, the response to that reality that you're the end of the earth is to make a joyful noise. Praise be to God that you're in the room this morning worshiping God. You are the ends of the earth people, and that is glorious. We'll see in a moment how we're to respond to that news, but for now, praise be to God, you're here, you're worshiping, you made it. (laughs) It was hard to get here this morning. Some of you are exhausted. Praise be to God, you're here, you're in the room. Let's worship the Lord. You belong to God. You are all the ends of the earth people. So all the earth is invited to to, to the celebration of the worship of the Lord. One author calls this the missionary hymn book. You've maybe heard of the Psalms being referred to as a hymn book. Well, this author was saying it's the missionary hymn book, and it's in reference to that, the ends of the earth. So we come here on Sunday, and as the us and the we and the ends of the earth gathers, there's to be, well, there's to be a victory shout. There's to be that kind of celebration to the one who has won the victory. This is a psalm of Old Testament praise that is in faith looking forward to future victory that will be won for, on the behalf of the ends of the earth. So looking forward to Christ, make a joyful noise, ends of the earth. And here we are, we are those people who are on the other side of that victory, looking back at the cross, saying, make a joyful noise, all the earth. We will one day join and come together and worship the king before his very throne. So as we look back, we're also looking forward to that ultimate victory where we will join in heaven with the throngs, the myriads and myriads of people, Revelation 5. Number three, what are we called to do? Well, there's, there's six or seven, depending on how you count them, imperatives in these five verses. Imperatives, wow, commands. Did you know you're commanded to worship the Lord? You're literally commanded to worship the Lord. Six imperatives, and they're accompanied by a specific kind of response. The imperatives show us there's this, command, but hear me when I say this, there's more than a command. There ought to be a heart that accompanies the command. We're also shown, we're not just shown do this, but also here's the accompanied heart that joins with that action. We're not simply to perform obedience out of the command, but these commands are to be richly enjoyed and celebrated and and to, to God, thank you to the thanks of our God. They are more than, this is what I have to do, commands. To see them rightly is to see them as, this is what I get to do, commands. I get to worship my God. God is glorified not by our sheer obedience. Our God is most glorified by our enjoyment of him in our obedience. Some like to emphasize we need to obey his commands. Yeah, I agree. We need to obey his commands. But more so, I want to say we need to joyfully obey his commands. So that we're not just responding out of 
duty, but out of a delight. This is what we get to do, church. A child who takes out the trash begrudgingly and yet does it because, well, if I don't, Dad said to do it, so I better do it. That doesn't, that doesn't bring honor to mom or dad. What brings honor is a child who might not be in love with taking out the trash, but recognizes all that I've been given by mom and dad. And I get to take out trash in this family. Well, we're not being told to take out trash here. He says, make a joyful noise. He says, serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord is God. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. There's two things I'm glad for. One is that the Bible doesn't leave us guessing. What's the appropriate response to the Lord and all that he's done? Aren't you glad for that? Like We don't have to just be left to wonder, like, how do I... What do I, we're told. The second thing is I'm grateful that the Lord gives us an outlet. Like praise be to God for lips and tongues and voices and hands and knees to kneel. Uh, Praise be to God that there's an outlet, some means to express our gratitude for all that the Lord has done. So he says, make a joyful noise. Or if you're using the, new t- new, um, the NIV, sorry, the New Testament. I don't think you're using the New Testament. If you're using the NIV, it puts it, shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. How can, how can the NIV say, shout to joy, and the ESV say, make a joyful noise? Which one of them is correct? The answer is yes. Both of them are correct. This is a joyful noise of victory. There was a, there was a joyful shout that would go out uh, that, that would be a response to victory. It's not, it's, not, it's not lost on you. This is not a foreign concept to us where we have to go, wow, I don't understand. What is he really getting at? This is simply uh, rejoicing in victory. But here's the thing for the believer this morning, what you already know is it's not, a, it's not a celebration of what you've accomplished of your victory. It's make a joyful noise to the Lord because he's accomplished something. He's redeemed you. He's the one that we celebrate. This is, no, this is not last week we, we preached a lament. We like to preach lament here too. This is not a lament. This is lift up your voices. This is a loud psalms, psalm. This is exuberant. It's rejoicing. It's not a funeral dirge. This is a rejoicing in what God has accomplished. Make a joyful or shout to the Lord. Why? Because of his victory, all that he's accomplished on our behalf. It's rejoicing in what God has done. And the Old Testament saint looking forward to a day of redemptive victory. And here we are looking back towards that day of redemptive victory. Amazing. You and I didn't go into the battle. We simply reap the benefits of that victory. 
You've been given freedom in Christ from the war against sin and death. The battle, it's been won. Sing the song with loud victory. Satan has been defeated. Christ is won. Praise him. Sing the psalm with loud rejoicing. There's something wrong. There's something wrong with the gathered church when it's more library than football stadium. When it has more in common with a funeral than it does a birth announcement. Why such loud praises, David? Because of such lavish victory. Celebrations are a normal part of our world. It's nothing for us to go to a concert, a football game, to watch an Olympic athlete. If you watch the, the, the Olympic athlete, I love like the, the swimming events. And I've yelled at my scream to a guy underwater. Like, you know, like, I mean, the foolishness just piles up. Cheering him on to victory. And then he hits the wall, right? Have you been? I've been in a theater where the storyline was so good. And the acting was so good. At the end of the movie, people applaud. I've done it. I've applauded too. Bravo! <laughs> it's a screen, Tim. It's a screen. We, we get it. Culturally, we get it. Do we get it? Do we understand who it is that we're making a joyful noise to? He says, serve the Lord with gladness. It, it means to be devoted. It means to be loyal. Be loyal to the Lord. This is no half-hearted service. This is no, uh, I don't really want to join the church because if I join the church, then I don't know. I think, I, I think that's when they make me serve. That just completely misses the mark. This is serve the Lord with gladness. This is I get to serve the Lord. I get to serve with the children in the children's ministry. I get to serve on this team, that team. There's a sound team and a tech team going on this morning. There's a security team. There's a greeting team. There's a whole lot of teaming going on this morning. I get to do that. And we have to inform our hearts, right? Because we forgot our glasses and we left them at home. And things are a little bit fuzzy right now. Nate Taylor looks a lot like Richard Riondo right now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Wait, it's Karen. No. <laughs> no, this, is, this, this person is informing one's soul about the worshipful activity. I get to serve the Lord with gladness. I don't have to simply just take out the trash out of duty. This is a joy. This is gladness. Are you glad this morning that you get to serve the Lord? It's the Lord whom we serve, ultimately. And we do so in the presence of the Lord for the kingdom of our God. What a joy it is to serve in his courts. No, not a religious duty, not a religious anything. It's more than an, an imperative. 
It's more than that. It is that. It's more than that. It's not mindless. This informs our soul as to what we're doing. Your serving is a part of the worship of the Lord. And I want to religiously do that. I don't want to mindlessly do that. I want to worship him and serve him and inform my own heart. Who is it that I serve? Yes, it's the children, but it's more than the children. I serve the Lord. And it's because of what he's done that I serve the Lord. And I get to serve in the church today. This is worship that's offered to him who is worthy. He says, come into his presence with singing. So that's our psalm series. Presence, the presence of the Lord. There's a, there's a certain way, though, that the psalmist is telling us that we're to come into his presence. Come, how? How do we do it? Glad he doesn't leave us wondering. Come, singing. Singing, rejoicing with gladness. This is not mindless singing. It's not a call to sing for singing's sake. All right, let's just all sing. For no real reason, let's just be about singing. Let's sing to the Lord. And one of the biggest shocks of my life was my wedding day. At my wedding day, um, um, Kim and I are at the altar. Pastor's here. And I don't know if it was before or after the vows, but in the middle of the ceremony, Kim grabs a microphone. My heart starts pounding, like, what the heck is she doing? <laughs> and what's going to, what's come, wh why would she grab a microphone? And what is she going to say? Because I assumed she was going to say something. And are we good? Are we good? Is this going to work out okay? Where are we going right now? Um, we didn't rehearse this <laughs> last night. And then music started to play. And she began to sing. Now, how many songs have been written for that moment, right? How many songs are sung out of love for each other? Church, you and I, we have the very presence of God. We have every reason to come into his presence with singing. Let there be singing. Say, I can't sing. Let there be shouting. Let there be shouting if you can't sing. By all means, shout in victory. The Lord is accomplished. You have the presence of God. It invokes a response of singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Last week I said some texts call us to do some things, and some texts call us to know some things. The psalmist has been calling us to do, make a joyful noise, serve the Lord with gladness, come into his presence with singing, and now he calls us to know. And it's that knowing is going to further I'm going to say propel or inspire your singing and your joy and your thankfulness. What are we to know? Well, we're to know that the Lord, he is God. Do you, I, I do want to pause and ask you this morning, do you know that the Lord, he is God? Do you know that? 
Do you know that he's not a God amongst many gods, but he is God. He is the God. And that's why the response. See, we don't worship nature. We worship the God who created nature. We don't come worshiping ourselves. We come worshiping the God who created us. We don't come worshiping many gods. We worship the God, the only God. And I ask you, do you know him? I'm not asking if you know about him. I'm asking, do you know him? Now, some of you, this is lost on you, but recently, Lionel Messi became a nearby neighbor. All right, about three hours from here, Lionel Messi now lives. He's a resident of Florida and that's, yeah, and so, and so the Moscoso family, very excited about that, more than anybody in the room. Um, and, and this past week, uh, or maybe a little over a week, but um, fans have lost their minds. Uh, in particular, his first game back as he came in and scored in, in over, in extra minutes. And uh, I lost my mind just watching the highlight the next day. It was incredible. I could tell a lot of you lost your minds too. Imagine if I said to you, hey, I, I know Lionel Messi. Imagine if I said that and said, you know, I've got some tickets and we're going to go to the next game and you want to come. And a number of you would say, nah, <laughs> nah, don't really want to go. Um, that's a long drive, three hours, and it's just Lionel Messi. Um, and the reason why you wouldn't want to go is because you don't know Lionel Messi. You don't know his skills. You don't know his game. You don't know that the rest of the world, oh my goodness, would love to be at that stadium. Um, and you, my friend, are in the minority. I don't care what you think. You are. That's just reality. You're in the minority in this world. No, but the point is, um, this guy who makes now about $60 million a year, you don't care because you don't know. And knowing makes all the difference. And so it's right for him to say to us, know that the Lord, he is God. Do you know him? Because that will make all the difference in your loud singing. And so we say it often, but we want to repeat it. Boy, the, the equip classes, the Bible studies, they're all opportunities to come and grow in your understanding who is this God that we sing to, that we worship. We haven't, we haven't mined him for all that he is. We haven't arrived somewhere and say, well, you know, I, 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 I read that book um, on the attributes of God. <laughs> we, will, we will never finish the book on the attributes of God. That... We're not even close, church. Do you know him? Because knowing him makes all the difference to your loud singing. Make a joyful noise to the Lord. Know that he is God. Know that he has made you. You're not random. And you're not here randomly. You're not an accident. And you're not a result of evolution. God made you. But not only did he make you, if you're a follower of Christ, you're his. And he starts to speak to that, right? It is he who made us. We are his. We are his people. The sheep of his pasture. It's, it's all just, uh, we belong to him. How did that happen? Well, the cross happens. 
It's through the cross of Christ that we now belong to him. So praise him. Lift our voices. Let there be loud singing and rejoicing. So know this. He made you and he took you in. He's both the creator. He's the redeemer. We're a part of his sovereign chosen people by no works of our own, but completely by him. That's why 1 Peter 2, Peter says, you're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. What or to what end? That you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Do you know him? If you do, then shouting and singing is more normal in here than it is at the football game. Absolutely normal. It's as if the psalm is saying, hey, this loud, joyful, victorious singing, this worship flows out of knowing God. We need to know some things about God. We need to know God. We need to know what he's done. And this informs that kind of response. It's not mindless worship. It's mindful worship. He says, enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. Be shocked this morning that, that, that those words are spoken over you and I. Be shocked. Enter into his gates. Come into his presence. Time out. Right? The psalmist writes, who, who am I that he would be mindful of me? I'm being invited into the presence of the Lord. We know, we know it well from the New Testament, right? We, with confidence, we come. Confidence in ourselves, by all means, no. Confidence in God who has redeemed us and saved us. Now he draws us and invites us, come into his presence with thanksgiving. Enter his courts with praise. This is not to be presumed. We should be shocked we're in the room worshiping this morning. Who am I? It says, give thanks and bless his name. I'm going to ask the worship team to return to the platform. Number four, why worship? Why worship? That's verse number five. For the Lord is good. For the Lord is good. It, 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 could, it could read, give thanks to him, bless his name, because the Lord is good. It could read, give thanks to him, bless his name. And here's the reason why. The Lord is good. For the Lord is good. It, 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 it is who the Lord is. It is the, the sum of who he is. He operates Test, test. There we are. All right. All right. Welcome back to Trinity this morning. All right. This is, this, is, this, this is who God is. He's sovereign in his goodness. He's wise. He's, his goodness is his wisdom. His wisdom is his goodness. He's, he's gracefully good in your life. He's Welcome to Trinity. All right, one last time. All right, so he, he's powerful in his goodness. 
He's almighty in his goodness. He is abundant in his goodness. His goodness knows no end. He's eternal in his goodness. He is, why are we worshiping the Lord? For the Lord, he is good. In every imaginable way, he is good. He's been good in your life. Even when, even when circumstances you don't understand, we were praying this Psalm earlier today, Psalm 42, and there's all sorts of questions in the Psalm. Why, why, what? Or other Psalms, how long? Oh, even in the midst of that. How we preached from the text last week, the Lord is good in your life, every moment of your life. You've never known a moment where he wasn't good in your life. And the goodness of God is often unpacked like that in the Old Testament. It'll, it'll state something that the Lord is good and then it'll give you four or five reasons or attributes of the Lord. He's good, which becomes the reason for our worship. His steadfast love, it says, his steadfast love endures forever, meaning his love towards you. It is unwavering. You, you, it, it cannot be moved. I call you back to just Christian's thoughts earlier in our service. But me, to the redeemed, you, absolutely you. He has been good in your life and his steadfast love remains really to the believer and the unbeliever this morning, that you're in this room is the good and the steadfast love of the Lord towards you. Amazing that we would be here worshiping him. He is resolute. He is steadfast. He's immovable. He is unchanging. He is steadfast in his love towards you and it endures. How long? Well, forever. And I love how the Bible does this. And then he's going to kind of double up on it. And his faithfulness to all generations, which is to say forever. <laughs> right? So his steadfast love endures forever, which means forever. And his faithfulness to all generations, which means forever. Or other places in scripture, right? It'll come to, you know, and forever and ever, <laughs> which means forever. <laughs> which means we run out of words to express eternal, eternal truths. Praise be to God, it's forever and ever, doubly stated. So if you stand with me, I just want to close, take us to, no, I don't. I'll, I'll read this as our benediction. We'll come back around to it. But let's just pause and respond and consider Psalm 100. And let's sing to our God. Lord, would you help us even now? Lord, so easily, quickly do the lenses get out of focus. Would you help us? Would you, would you help us to conclude our time together in such a way that honors you in worship of you? In Jesus' name, amen. Let's lift our voices to the Lord.